Welcome to Honestly Haunted. Welcome back to Honestly Haunted. Erin and I are continuing our tour around the country to each state, and this week we're visiting Mississippi and going to King's Tavern in Natchez, Mississippi. The structure was built in 1769, but it's still open today as a restaurant and bar. It's one of the oldest functional buildings in the whole state of Mississippi. During the Revolutionary War, the building was made into a blockhouse for a nearby fort. The location of this building was on what is known as the Natchez Trace Pathway. This pathway was a commonly used commerce and traveler route. This trail linked three rivers and went from Nashville, Tennessee to Natchez, Mississippi. Originally created by Native Americans, colonists quickly began to utilize the pathway for their own. Central to the success of this pathway was the creation of inns and taverns, like King's Tavern, along the way. This pathway, however, was known for being remote and wild, often called the devil's backbone by those who took it. In 1789, a man from New York, Richard King, moved to Mississippi and purchased the building. He converted it into a tavern and inn. It was also a place where people could pick up their mail. It became a popular community location, and the couple who owned it celebrated a type of celebrity status. Despite the success of this tavern, the location of Natchez began to become a bit rough. Since it was becoming a hub for merchants and visitors, outlaws were drawn in by the prospect of easy targets. Over time, the tavern's reputation began to decline a bit as it became a place for those outlaws to spend the night. The infamous Harp brothers were outlaws who delighted in torturing, mutilating, and killing. They too were drawn into the area and sometimes stayed at the King's Tavern. The invention of the steamboat allowed people to travel up and down the river more easily, which led to a decline in travel on the roadways, meaning that the area was no longer a good place for outlaws to find their prey. The decline in both crime and normal economic activity forced the owner to sell the tavern in 1817. The building became a private home for the next 150 years. In 1973, the building was sold to a private investor and was converted into a tavern once more, taking back its original name of King's Tavern. And even today, it's a restaurant that you can go visit, and they look like they have lovely charcuterie boards based on their Facebook page. Looks so delicious. I'm totally in to visit if we ever can one day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's shift our focus to the haunting of this place. I've got to say, we skimmed over these mutilating brothers pretty fast. The Harp brothers have got to play a part in the haunting, right? While not the only contributors, they certainly played a part. Micaiah and Wiley Harp are known as the first documented serial killers in America, which is huge. They operated in Tennessee, Kentucky, Illinois, and Mississippi in the late 1700s. The Hart brothers were actually cousins, but brothers was a whole lot easier to market, I guess. <laughs> Sounds fair. The duo were extremely violent and used the Revolutionary War and the British cause to further their dangerous rampages. They burned farms, raped women, and pillaged the homes of American patriots. In 1780, they actually did join British troops to fight in several battles. The Hart brothers actually did marry, too, but the story is pretty gruesome. 
To take revenge on James Woods, an officer who tried to stop the brothers from raping, they kidnapped Woods' daughter and a neighborhood girl and forced them to become their wives. The wives bore them children, but the brothers killed each of their children. The Hart brothers spent a lot of time with the Cherokee Indians, taking part in their raids and living among them. In 1798, the Hart brothers would begin their notorious murder spree, one of the most violent in America's history. The Hart brothers were motivated more by bloodlust than actual financial gain, which set them apart from other serial killers of the time. They often left their victims disemboweled. They would fill the victims' chest cavities with rocks and then sink them in the river. I know it's grotesque, but it's a good strategy. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, if, if you're gonna do that, it's As much better. true crime as we, uh, as we go through, that's probably one of the smarter tactics, but anyway. We in, digress. We digress. <laughs> in 1799, a bounty was finally put on their heads after they had killed at least 16 people in the span of only one year, though the number may have actually been much higher. One of the Hart brothers' calling cards was that people would have their heads axed off by them. So the Hart brothers spent a great deal of time during the rampages in Natchez along the Natchez Trace pathway. The duo took up residence at King's Tavern quite frequently, according to legend. The end of Wiley's life actually happened in Natchez, where he poetically had his own head axed off and placed on a spike in 1804. It's said that Wiley haunts the King's Tavern as it was his last home of a sort before his death. By the end of their reign, they had confessed to 39 murders, but the real number likely surpassed 75. And it's not surprising that the ghost of such a murderer would choose to forever walk the halls of King's Tavern. There's a story of Wiley's time at the tavern in which he came across a young mother with a very fussy baby. He became annoyed by the incessant crying, grabbed the child, and threw him on the ground, killing him instantly. Despite only one record of the Harp murders happening on the property, the King's Tavern was no stranger to other death. Let's fast forward to 1930. The King's Tavern is a private home at this point. The family living in the home found three skeletal remains along with a jeweled dagger and a wall behind the chimney. The remains were of two men and one woman. While the men were never identified, many believe that they were the victims of Wiley Harp. The woman, however, tells us a very different story of how she reached her ultimate demise. The dagger was actually found embedded in the woman's chest. The remains were believed to belong to a woman named Madeline, who was the mistress of the tavern's original owner, Richard King. According to legend, Madeline disappeared sometime shortly after Mrs. King found out about her husband's affair with her. Many believe that Mrs. King is responsible for Madeline's murder and that she hid Madeline's body in the tavern walls. In present day, many of the employees of the tavern claim that Madeline is the source of most of the paranormal happenings in the tavern. Many of the strange happenings seem to take place in the upstairs portion of the tavern, which used to function as the inn. Witnesses have reported seeing the reflection of a young woman in mirrors, and when they turn around, she's vanished. People have also claimed to feel warm spots on the beds, as if someone had just been lying there. Remembering the dark murder of a baby by Wiley Harp, others have reported sounds of a crying infant throughout the halls, despite no babies to be actually on the premises. Even before opening back up as a tavern, the family who had lived in the home claimed to have experienced these oddities and more. 
A young man recalled his grandmother telling him about her experiences in the early 1970s, right before the home was sold. Her daughter had died, and ever since then, a veiled woman figure stood at the end of her bed each and every night. So this tavern has a multitude of different types of hauntings. And like many of the other places that we've discussed, it has quite a history. Absolutely. And, you know, going through the initial our research when we're trying to find locations that we want to look at, you know, the King's Tavern came up on a few lists. It's like on an insider list of top uh, haunted places in the country. And as I was looking at it, it said it was home to, you know, America's first serial killers. And that definitely caught Aaron and my's attention. Oh yeah. That, that definitely spiked our interest. We have mentioned multiple times that we, along with the paranormal also are very interested in true crime. And so the first documented serial killers of America. Like that is, that is in and of itself really interesting. These people, oh my gosh, they killed so many people. Yeah. A lot of the stories we didn't even feel comfortable sharing just because they're so, it's really, these guys were really brutal and lived kind of I mean, what we would deem probably psychopathic lifestyles. Absolutely. And the the thing that I think is also kind of so terrifying about the Harp brothers is that they were free for a very long time. And, you know, I understand that this was a very long time ago. And so it was a lot easier to get away with things. But it seemed like their reputation really preceded them, which meant that they would go into these places and they would do these horrific crimes and people knew about it. People knew this was happening and they still got away with it and still got to continue to travel to other places doing these horrific things. I think the brothers really took advantage of the time and how kind of crazy everything was going post the American Revolutionary War and that they sided with the British and I think hopes of maintaining the status quo of chaos and dysfunction and and that they, they really utilized their position to be able to create more havoc and to hurt more people. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that a lot of the the stories of them really kind of stress that they were British loyalists, but I don't think these people had actual loyalties to anyone. anybody but themselves. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean I think I think you're absolutely right. They used the the British troops and they used the position that they could get with with them in order to, to kind of justify and give purpose and give like abilities to their own crimes. Yeah, access essentially. Absolutely. It gave them limited access to people and like lots of innocent people who were just like trying to live their lives and run their farms and And honestly and and going back to the idea that they were more driven by bloodlust than by any kind of financial gain or anything like that, they killed a ton of children. They killed their, their own, own children. children. Like multiple children. They would continuously impregnate their like basically stolen wives and then just continue to kill those children yeah you know usually you find you know with most serial killers or even you know even like hired guns and things like that like generally like children are off limits like that's usually kind of this like this weird code that even the most immoral and awful men still live by you don't kill children Children. 
but these guys definitely did their own children. Just doesn't make it doesn't make any sense yeah, to me. Yeah, it's crazy, and and the fact that these so they weren't actually brothers, but they were cousins, and they kind of found each other, and then brought out the worst in each other. To, it sounds like from the research we did that Wiley was kind of the one who was more in charge. There's not as many stories about Micaiah, and and when Wiley was was finally killed, that's kind that kind of brought an end to their reign, even though Micaiah still was alive. So that's always interesting too, that like it was this duo doing these horrific, terrible things, but maybe it landed a little bit more on, on Wiley being the cause. More notorious of the two, for sure. Yeah. So, but I, I think when we saw, you know, the three, so the, 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 a lot of the descriptions we saw, like three mummified bodies, so right. old, were found in the 1930s, you know, from this, this era and that Two, they think, were likely victims of, of Wiley Harp. Which but- is so interesting to me because the fact that they think pretty distinctly that two of them were Harp brothers and one was was something else and different, the fact that they were found in the same place, I feel like raises so many questions for me. So may- maybe let's, let's talk about this mistress Madeline for a minute. She seems like an interesting character. A lot of the portraits that are hanging in King's Tavern are of this alleged Madeline character. Yeah. And I'll post some of the pictures on our Facebook, but she has this kind of, this, this smile. She does look like she's up to no good. Um, which, you know, she was a mistress, but... Right, she, but no, she, no victim blaming she, here. She, yeah, she did not need to die for that. Uh. <laughs> and, and the idea that, that Mrs. King was actually the one who, who murdered her is interesting to me, but I kind of have a weird theory. Tell me, tell okay, me. Okay, so these bodies were found in the same place, and Mrs. King is said to be the reason Madeline died... But she was co-owner of a tavern that had a lot of notorious guests. My theory is if we're so sure that these other two bodies were victims of the Hart brothers, what if Mrs. King kind of enlisted one of the Hart brothers or both to kill Madeline for her, knowing that it probably wouldn't take too much to convince them? To do her her dirty work for yeah. her. That's interesting. Well, I had an opposite thought really? of, with with Tell Mrs. Me. King because you know there there wasn't specific details involved with the two men and how they died, but the fact that the dagger was found in Madeline's chest, right? I don't know, but that seems more like a woman murder to me. A, a woman murder—it's very per- like knives That's are true. very personal, and to leave the weapon inside the body and like true and to hide it like that seems like women are catty like that's, that's true <laughs> especially okay, what if what if we combine these what if mrs king murdered madeline but enlisted the harp brothers help to hide the body and mm. they had their own victims to hide or they yeah they were like we have got a place we were like, oh yeah we, we, know, we know where to throw her we've already <laughs> hidden two in your property and so she's like uh, okay i have questions <laughs> but it's not worth it again lots of lots of good directions to go with this all speculation all speculation. But we've been doing this long enough. We've been true crime fans long enough that we've got plenty of speculation and theories that could happen. But this was also a really long time for those bodies to be living in this, well, not living, but to yeah. be in this location hidden away. And, and so I feel like 
three bodies into place is definitely going to bring some of that energy we love talking about. I mean, close to 100 years. Like, these bodies were yeah. unfound for close to 100 years. Yeah. And it's it's interesting. This is, I mean, this is the kind of thing. And they, in, in the, the, as the, like I said, the tavern is a restaurant now and bar, um, but you can still go in and they, like, they don't hide the fact that Madeline's body, you know, was, was found, found there. there. <laughs> they, it's actually on their Facebook. <laughs> but please eat here. But please eat here. <laughs> I'm sure they have, uh, they have com- probably completely had to reno- <laughs> renovate the inside and everything. But um, it's just, it's an interesting part of this building's long, long, long history. Yeah. Um, so again, coming back to the idea of, of energy, you know, there was the energy of all these outlaws, of all these criminals living in this place. Obviously, there were at least three murders that happened on the property and, and were, oh, well, four if we count the baby. I forgot about the yeah. baby, which... That's also oh, awful. Yeah, that's... So, so at least four that, that were documented in some way um, that happened there, probably more. Um, and then, and then a, one family lived there for about 150 years, that it stayed within the family. And I mean, this, this family had experiences too. This, yeah, we, we saw this like last report of, uh, of a, a man in the seven, in the 1970s talking about the death of his mother and that his grandmother saw her and experienced yeah. her presence in the home. Uh, and it's not, it's ironic to me that just like four years later, they would be selling the home. Right. Like, like very, very soon after, after this really kind of scary experience of like every single night seeing this failed woman they're like yeah um it's been in our family for 150 years but uh we're gonna sell it we're good now we're We're done now (laughs) that's just so interesting to me and then i guess that's more of a common thing depending on what part of the country you live in but like this idea of family homes yeah and in general like passing it down from generation to generation that's always been interesting to me because that's not at least that's never been my experience like growing up like lived in lots of different houses moved around a lot but then like i think some of these especially in the deep south yeah uh, you know there's there are lots of more of these like old family homes that have these very interesting histories yeah and and this and this building is on this very historical path that has all of these other things we kind of we came across this this kind of weird story of this other location on the on the trace pathway uh called like the witch's dance yeah yeah and it's actually like the park service has like little signs that credit it but i guess it used to be a hotbed for coven activity and and witches would come out and and do their do their thing and and <laughs> do, the, their dance. do their dance in the nighttime and it says that every time a witch you know or which is congregated in the area, the grass would die. And so they said, even to this day, you can go to places where there'll be like perfect circles of dead grass, like throughout the forest that surrounds the Natchez pathway out of the city. And so like things like that, I'm sure lots of other urban legends oh, yeah. stream, stream from that. The the urban legends of, of the pathway and of all these kind of stops where people would take um, on the pathway. And so, so it's a, it's a place pretty rich in history. Um, and we've, we've talked about this before that America is not very old in comparison to the rest of the world, but there are places like this that, that do have more history than others that we, we have a very old building. We have this pathway that was originated by native Americans in the area and then kind of 
co-opted by colonists and there was war and battles and, and outlaws and crime and all sorts of things. And, and I think that that is, it's kind of the, the type of history that a lot of places in America can, can experience. So I don't know, Erin, what do you think about our verdict? I'm gonna, I don't I know. Think, yeah, this, <laughs> this one's kind of hard. You know, we've talked about it before. We've talked about how we have to take different approaches to our verdict when we can't actually go and visit this place. But I think based on all of our research, based on these stories, I think we're going to say honestly, honestly haunted. haunted. Okay. We looked at each other. We <laughs> really like, didn't I don't, know. I don't know. I'm going to say yes, yeah. though. I think, you know, again, a lot of the focus is on, you know, the serial killers and, and, criminals who committed crimes in the vicinity of the location and that, you know, likely those victims decided to hang around and, or that energy decided to hang around. And, you know, it's just, in my opinion, it's just so hard for a place that old not to be. And honestly, I think what put me over the edge is the dagger in Mm. the body being found like that is personal that has some energy with there's it. There's vendetta there. There's there there <laughs> is there's a story, there's scorn, there is love and affairs and I feel like I feel like that put me over the edge. Yeah. And so definitely haunted. Yeah. We can't wait to go try it out. If can't you're in wait. the area, definitely go check oh, yeah. it out. And tell us all about it. Apparently they do, you know, they have a, a, a wood fire baked oven so you can get pizza Lovely. and charcuterie boards and it's just it sounds awesome. So yeah. it sounds so a, a little bit of everything. Yeah, if you're if you're in the area, go tell us all about your experience and thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We will be back in 2 weeks with more honestly haunted. Thank you.